I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. You know, 2020 has been um, been quite the year, a lot going on, uh, a lot of um, shakeups in, in kind of various things. We've got the coronavirus pandemic. We've got this really big presidential election. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really just felt like an extraordinary year. And one of the things that it's really prompted for a lot of families has been kind of a reassessment of, of how they're educating their kids. Um, it's kind of played out in different ways in, in, in different states. I know in, in some places where Catholic schools have really been um, kind of having a hard time. It's been a great boon to them as, as they've been open, public schools haven't. So they're seeing rising, uh, rising numbers, South Dakota, kind of uh, some different nuances. Um, our public and private schooling here has been relatively flat with great, great booms in homeschooling. But uh, the, the kind of the point is that there's just been a tremendous amount of, of creativity that's been happening as parents have, have really been taking a, a deep, deep look at the ways in which they're educating their children in the year 2020. We're gonna dive into this today. We're gonna to talk a little bit about education policy and specifically some of the, the Catholic teaching that, um, that, that we as Catholics, we need, to, we need to be informed on what the church teaches uh, about parents as the first educators of their children. Joining me today to dive into this topic is the executive director of an organization called Catholic Education Partners, Sean Peterson joining us today. Welcome to the program, Sean. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's it's great to have you. As as we sort of before we kind of launch into some of the nuts and bolts of both policy and teaching, maybe uh, tee it up for us. Tell us a little bit about uh, Catholic Education Partners. Wonderful. Happy to do so. Always, always happy to talk about the uh, the organization. So, uh, Catholic Education Partners was uh, launched in 2017. And really, um, in a response to get um, a need to get more Catholic involvement and Catholic investment um, in, in Catholic education. And uh, really, we saw uh, there was a need, um, some folks at the USCCB and, and uh, other places, some of our bishops and, and those involved in, in Catholic education at a national level, really saw the need for a, a Catholic-focused, a um, an organization that looked at Catholic education through a Catholic lens uh, to really get into this public policy realm. And that's really why we were, you know, why we were, we were formed. Um, our mission is to advance public policy so that more Catholic families can enjoy the benefits of a great Catholic education. And we do this by partnering with uh, folks like the South Dakota Catholic Conference and, uh, and bishops and other clergy and secular policy organizations and states to, to really advance this policy um, of, of giving, you know, families the, the opportunity to attend a Catholic school. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great organization, um, Catholic Education Partners. And it's, it's really, you know, as you mentioned, a collaboration um, between a couple of different groups, but really born out of the heart of, of, of some bishops that, that just see the great, great uh, power in not just power, but need for robust Catholic education in, in civil society in America. And I should mention too, as a quick aside, since this is a South Dakota Catholic Conference show that you've got a, a personal connection to South Dakota too. I did, I, I, I grew up in South Dakota, grew up in Sioux Falls, spent a lot of time there. My uh, grandparents were from there. 
was blessed to attend St. Mary's uh, for part of grade school and then O'Gorman for high school. So yeah, I'm a, I, I live in Minnesota right now, but I, I've always considered myself a South Dakota boy. So hap- doubly happy to be on your show today. Yeah. So some of the parent choice policies, some of these, and we're going to get in, maybe explore that term a little bit too. Like what are these terms we hear? School choice, parent choice, maybe just to kind of set the stage on like where we're going. When we talk about policy, like what are some of the policies just to give some people some concrete, uh, concrete examples that they can have in their minds as we're talking? Sure. Um, I would say, you know, in, and, and yeah, we like to say either education choice or more importantly, we really like to say parental choice. We don't really even talk about school choice anymore because mm. it's not just about choosing a school. Yeah. It's really about giving a parent an opportunity to choose the best education for their child. And so there's, there's three really main policies that um, traditionally sort of uh, fit in this bucket. I guess uh, four, if you, you know, kind of bring in the V word vouchers, um, but really there's individual tax credits with, which some states have, and that's really just really allowing parents to, um, you know, either uh, deduct education expenses or sometimes tuition from their personal taxes. And then there's tax credits, uh, scholarship programs, uh, which really allow um, individuals and businesses to donate uh, to a scholarship granting organization. And then in turn, they get a tax break. And then a lot of children get the opportunity to get a scholarship to go to a a non-public school of their choice. And then there's uh, really the latest uh, iteration, and I I would say the wave of the future, and those are education savings accounts. And these are uh, uh, monies that that are given directly to parents, often put on uh, like a debit card, and then parents can spend those dollars how they best see fit for their child. That could include uh, non-public school tuition, that could include tutoring, uh, other educational opportunities. So those are the kind of the four, the four biggies, but we really focus um, in policy these days on, on the opportunity scholarships and ESAs. Well, that, that opportunity, these opportunity scholarships, some pe- uh, listeners may know that, that South Dakota has one of these programs for a couple years now. I think I've mentioned it on the program before when we've talked uh, education things. We call it um, South Dakota Partners in Education is the scholarship granting organization. And it's a tax credit scholarship program. We, of course, we don't have a personal income tax in South Dakota, which kind of knocks out that first bucket that you were talking about where hey, I'm paying uh, for my kid's tuition and now I'm going to get a deduction off my personal income tax for the state. Well, we don't have a personal income tax. So it's like, well, we can't really, we don't have any opportunities there. But what we do have in South Dakota is um, part of our tax base, the state charges tax on uh, insurance premiums that are collected by insurance companies. Um, They pay a tax on the premiums they collect. So, what they can do under this program, this tax credit scholarship program, is they can make a donation to South Dakota Partners in Education um, for the purpose of these dollars end up going to kids that, that their parents want greater opportunity in choosing their kid's school. And in, in turn for making that donation to this third party organization, uh, Partners in Education, uh, that insurance company gets 100% credit against their tax bill. So it's, um, you know, the insurance companies like it, 
uh, because they're getting a break on their taxes and they're doing something good for for students and parents who want want to exercise choice. Parents love it because they're able to send their kids to a school they wouldn't necessarily uh, otherwise be able to send them to. It is a means tested program. Um, and it's it's really a win to this to the state too. Uh, that was actually when it was passed a number of years back. Governor Dugard, one of the things he insisted is that this be budget neutral. And one of the great parts about great things that an organization like yours, Catholic Education Partners, brings to the table is like all of the data and the economic, and we can really crunch the numbers and see actually this is this is really actually good for state coffers too, um, because now we're not you know we, we're not paying all of these uh, huge public dollars into a public school system. We actually are um, more efficiently kind of educating a child through uh, a program outside of the public school system. And it it tends to be more efficient uh, across the board. So that's the South Dakota uh, Partners in Education Tax Credit Scholarship Program. And um, I appreciate too, maybe uh, as you mentioned, like the wave of the future, in education policy, education savings accounts. You know, I we, we don't have these in South Dakota. I know there are some states that do have them. Do you want to maybe just for the sake of um, reiterating how important these are or how, how powerful they could be, unpack them just a little bit? Yeah, sure, Chris. And, and you know, I just, just to comment on what, what you just said too, which is great. You know, the beauty of what we do is when we go into a state, we, we work with that state, what they already have sort of on the table. And like you said, you guys don't have a state income tax. And so, you know, there's different opportunities in different states. Um, the beauty of an ESA is, you know, you don't, um, it, it pretty much it, any state really could do an ESA. And so really the, the, the beauty of these are, um, again, these are, you know, they're, they're public dollars. Um, and and they're they're generally some percentage of what um, you know the the, the state average um, spending yeah. on education is, and so they they too are generally uh, a cost savings to the state. Uh, certainly budget neutral, but usually a savings. So a parent at a certain income level, and you can design the bill however you want, um, would be able to uh, you know apply for an education savings account. Um, that money would be put into um, uh, an account for that uh, child. And then that parent would have a debit card. And there's a whole list of, uh, you know, different states have uh, different things that it can be spent on. But I think, as I mentioned, anywhere from uh, non-public school tuition, you know, if a child needs tutoring, um, you know, if you you have a special... um, a uh, special needs child that has, you know, special education requirements, you could use it to, to fund that, to augment that. Um, you can use it on uh, educational uh, equipment, uh, perhaps a laptop or something like that, internet, uh, all kinds of things. And the beauty is, it's not just one thing, like you don't have to just pick, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend my money on tuition. It could be a variety of things. It could be you know, I'm going to spend $4,000 for non-public school tuition. My child also needs some tutoring. Maybe maybe there's some other um, educational expenses that I want for my child. So it really gives the parent a huge amount of freedom. And I, I think, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show with COVID, parents are thinking differently about education than they did last year and two yep. years ago. 
And they're really seeing, you know, even with going, you know, the hybrid model, they're seeing that you can do different things that education yeah. doesn't have to be this, you know, traditional factory model where I send my kid in this door and they come out on the assembly line on the other end. So, um, and then the, the other, the, the real bonus to ESAs as well, you can design them and, and they are in many states. If you have money left over, if you've been a good steward of that money as a parent, um, you could actually use that money for college or for mm. vocational training um, once that child is done with 12th grade. So um, there's some really beautiful, uh, you know, things with these programs. Well, and that's a that's really a great segue to our kind of I want to transition now into principles, because obviously there's just a ton of creativity that's being exercised you know, in all sorts of states, in all sorts of families. People are just sort of thinking about education in new ways, which is really exciting and, um, and important. And one of the things that I think is, is really important when we start thinking create, uh, creatively is like, okay, what are the principles that are sort of grounding us as we're exploring new ways of doing things? So, and some people have maybe been listening to these first, uh, you know, 12 or so minutes here and thinking like, well, aren't these people just sort of looking for, you know, more tuition dollars for their, their Catholic schools? Isn't this really just sort of a self-interested kind of thing? And the answer is like, no, we've got the teaching of the church here that we can, we can look to and look to these, these great human goods that we, we could even describe them as common goods. So what are, Sean... What are some of the important principles of Catholic teaching that, that we need to know here? Well, um, yeah, there's, I mean, and there's, you know, the beauty of the, of the church and, and our faith is that we do have, you know, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to writings and when it comes to, um, you know, things to really back up our principles. These aren't just, you know, things that we invent as we go along and, and need some justification for some policy. Like these are, these are, you know, age old doctrines. So, um, you know, one of the most important doctrines um, was set out in uh, 1965 during Vatican II, and that's the Declaration on Christian Education, or in uh, Latin, Gravissimum uh, Educationis. Um, and, and this really rededicated um, Catholic uh, church doctrine and teaching and, and really uh, consolidated to say that, you know, parents, as you mentioned, parents are the primary educators of their children. And in that, they have the right and the duty uh, you know, always in Catholic teaching, there's always, you know, there's a right and, and then a, a duty, a responsibility um, on the part of the, of the, of the person um, to, to choose the education that is best for their child. Um, but the other half of that is then the, the public power, the government then has the duty and the responsibility uh, to make sure that that parent can, can make that decision, can choose that education. And that um, sometimes that is in uh, by not interfering with the parent's right to choose those that education. And then it's also, though, uh, supporting that uh, through the public purse and by public means. And so that's really that really is the essence of Catholic social teaching. Um, and, you know, I you know, when we talk about sort of public education, I will say really, you know, um, public education is the education of the public. It's not a system, uh, a particular like, oh, you have to use this model, right. um, especially because, you know, Catholic schools out, 
outdate, uh, you know, the common school, the public school right. um, by decades in the United right. States. So, um, yeah, so we really do have a wealth of uh, knowledge. The catechism talks about, um, talks about this well. It, it really mirrors it, if I could, you know, that parents have the right to choose a school for them, which corresponds to their own personal convictions, and that this right is fundamental. I mean, a fundamental right for, for Catholics to be able to, um, and all parents, to choose the best education for their child. So would it be fair to say, kind of just building off of these principles, that, that this is important, not just for Catholic school families, but, it, but we could also kind of include homeschool families um, or even an increasing number of folks that are kind of wanting to build hybrid models where, you know, they've got a local school system, be it, be it Catholic, be it public, that there's, there are opportunities. You know, I'm going to homeschool, but my, I really, my kid's really interested in sports or drama or debate or my kid needs an upper level, level calculus. There are these opportunities for, for kind of hybriding things. Is it fair to say that these principles are, are empowering for all these sorts of different families? Oh, of course. Um, you know, we'd always, you know, it, we'd love for there to always be a great Catholic school for a family to choose, and we'd love them to choose that. But yeah, obviously that's that's not always uh, logistically the case, um, especially in, uh, you know, in some rural parts of our of our nation that there may not be a, a great Catholic school available. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That, that right extends to all parents. And that's, you know, no matter what sort of education you pick for your child. You have to pick the, the education that fits your child best. Um, and again, your, your child might have, you know, different learning needs. Um, your family might have, you know, circumstances that, but again, it's, it's about making sure that whatever that choice of that parent is, that they have the opportunity um, to choose it, not based on their zip code or their income level or uh, whatever that might be, that, that they really are free and have the liberty to choose that. But yeah, it's, it's for everyone. We, we don't, uh, you know, we don't say Catholic social teaching is only for, you know, a certain group of the population or, or for just for Catholics or for certain Catholics. It's, yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's for everyone. Yeah, this teaching too, I mean, and you mentioned just the, the wealth of, or the, the depth, the sheer depth of the church's teaching that it, it's so incredibly well-reasoned and they're, they're universal truths. It's not like a, this teaching isn't along the lines of a, like a, an ecclesiastical discipline, like not eating meat on Fridays. This is a universal human truth um, that, that any mind open to, to reason can, can kind of walk through and perceive. Um, so one of the things that you mentioned, Sean, was just like public funding. And I, I think this, this comes up as a sticking point um, for people that may, maybe have never explored the teaching of the church before as we sort of kind of perceive this like huge wall between church and state. And, and we kind of, it's like, we have this scary image in our mind of like, it's this huge wall with, with barbed wire at the top and, and never the, 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 the two shall meet. But what, so what is this, what does the teaching mean for the relationship of Catholic schools to the government, to public funding is the way in which we kind of our modern secular perception of this huge wall. Is that an accurate perception? Help us help us understand that a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a uh, it's certainly a perception. Um, I would I would disagree that it's uh, <clears throat> you know always accurate. Um, you, you know, one thing when we when we go into a state or uh, you know work with the diocese or bishops or a Catholic conference, you know, one thing we always make sure of is that 
um, you know, that we design legislation um, so that, yeah, you have to, you have to follow certain rules. I mean, there's, there's, you know, safety, health and safety rules and things like that, that, yeah, the government should absolutely be able to say, you know, you have to have fire alarms and you have to have tornado drills and you have to um, have a safe building and some of these things. But that's really where that, where that sort of ends with this, you know, relationship, um, uh, you know, between the government sort of imposing um, things, let's say on a Catholic school uh, in exchange for money uh, that, that uh, would somehow um, impede the, the school from operating as truly Catholic. Um, so there's definitely a, you know, relationship and a responsibility we have as Catholics, as good citizens, um, you know, to follow uh, regulations and laws, but, but, they, but they can't be to a point where, um, you know, those dollars bring with it, um, uh, you know, regulations that we, we can't live out our faith um, you yeah. know, in our school. And, yeah. and, and I think we have to remember, too, a lot of people confuse, a lot of people talk about the separation clause. Well, it's actually, you know, an establishment clause. Right. Um, it's, it's that the, the state will not establish a religion. It won't put one religion higher than another. Um, but there's there's nothing to say that, you know, the state cannot um, operate in a way and, and pass laws in a way that allows religion to flourish. Yeah. Right. And, and we really got that from the, the Espinosa v. Montana case this last summer, which really just made clear the Supreme Court clarified that, no, no, the government cannot treat. Um, religious schools poorly when it's got programs that are open to all, you know, it's, it's not as if there's this sort of strict, this very, very strict wall that permits uh, or prohibits all interaction between these two, the secular spirit sphere and the, the spiritual sphere, you know, really is, is it's, we could break it down and just say, well, what that separation really means is that, you know, Bishop DeGroote or Bishop Mewich, they're not going to be running for governor anytime soon. And neither are we going to look to Governor Nome um, or, or our state Supreme Court to be giving us, you know, religious uh, guidance on, on how to practice our faith. That's what the separation is. It's not to keep morality and, and uh, the formation of children as whole human beings, you know, human, spiritual, uh, moral. Um, they're, we're whole human beings, and even our own state constitution recognizes that. Um, you mentioned that, you know, the, what was called the common school, you know, the kind of the first public schools in America, common schools, schools that any, anybody could go to, um, that, that our Catholic schools predate these by, by, by many, many years. There's no right to a public education in our federal constitution, typically been the reserve of states. In South Dakota, we do have a, a provision in our constitution that says that, that every child shall be afforded a free education. And, and the real kicker, the really like interesting, fascinating part is why, and the, the constitution spells it out, in, um, because our Republican form of government depends upon both a moral and intelligent people. You know, in order to govern, our, govern ourselves in sort of this disciplined liberty, we have to be good. <laughs> and, um, and it says, we've got to be moral. That's the purpose of our education and intelligent. We got to do math. We also have to do virtue and that, you know, who does that better um, than, than some of our great Catholic schools, some of our great homeschooling families. Um, there are some really, really, you know, great, great people working in public education too. And I don't mean to, to cut them out, but we do. The point to make is that the moral formation of a child is, 
it's just part and parcel of what education is. So to say that there's like some sort of separation between church and state that like prohibits that is like, uh, um, that, that, that's not true. Actually, the, the USCCB back in the early 70s, maybe it was late 60s, one of the, the policy issues they were engaged on is resisting the, the movement to get prayer out of public schools. They said, no, this is, you know, uh, human beings are by nature, we're made by our creator. We got to be in relationship with our creator. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> Why wouldn't we pray? Mm-hmm. Say there are certain places we can't pray. So maybe, Sean, we've got uh, three or so minutes here remaining. You know, any any final things we should flesh out in terms of like policies we might be able to support, kind of just to put a bow on some of these principles we've we've talked about. Yeah, Chris, and I and I think uh, yeah, I definitely you know I I think any of these policies you know align with. Uh, you know, both our faith and with um, the public good, the common good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, you know, expanding, we'd love to see an expansion of your um, your tax credit uh, policy in South Dakota. I think that'd just be, that'd be great to get more kids, more families, um, you know, to, to enjoy the benefits of, of great Catholic education or whatever ed- education they pick. Um, you know, our, our Protestant brothers and sisters run schools too. And, yeah. uh, you know, and we want those families and parents to have that choice. Um, you know, would love to, you know, ESAs, like I said, are kind of the wave of the future and, and they're expanding. They're, they're really, um, you know, sort of the, the full menu of school choice, really giving parents the opportunity um, wherever they live to, to choose, you know, it might be a, might be an online program maybe that someone in rural South Dakota could, um, you know, could, uh, could participate in a, an online Catholic school um, or things like this. And I, I think, you know, one, j- just a quick thing, I think too, Catholics sometimes are reluctant um, to get involved in these issues, to get involved in public policy. They sort of have been, I think, historically sort of, um, you know, misunderstood that as citizens, as Catholic citizens, we shouldn't get involved in these things. But, but we are called to, you know, Pope Francis says, a good Catholic meddles in politics. Um, and, and that doesn't mean the nitty gritty backroom kind of, you know, dirty view that people have. That means really as a good American citizen, you should get involved in, in important things. Um, you know, historically we have the civil rights issue, Catholics were at the forefront. Yeah. Um, you know, advocating for the poor, advocating for the environment. School choice is no different, and except for it's even more personal because it involves our children um, and, you know, educating, educating that next generation of Catholics. So that's really important that, that South Dakota citizens get involved in this issue and, and support the conference and, uh, you know, and help advocate on, on their behalf. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. If people want to find out more about Catholic Education Partners, where can they go? Absolutely. They can, they can go to our website and it's uh, www.catholicedpartners.org. Great. Catholicedpartners.org. It was so great to have you on the program, Sean, and I hope we can do this again. Who knows, maybe if something comes up during the legislative session, uh, we can connect again and you can kind of help us uh, unpack it on, an, on another program. But thank, thanks for joining us today. Wonderful, Chris. Thanks for having me and uh, it was a pleasure. And thank you, dear listeners, for, for tuning in. 
love listener feedback. If you if you like this program, if you didn't, if you've got ideas on on like next shows, reach out. You can go to sdcatholicconference.org, click contact us. Love to hear from you. Until next time, live well. Mm-hmm.